welcome to the Passion Fit Coaching podcast. This podcast is hosted by my husband, Tom Ward, and it is produced and directed by professional athlete Lydia Dant. Tom is our Passion Fit Coaching strategy... No, what are you again? What are you you actually? Coaching strategy creator. So whilst we're trying to figure out the finer details of what Tom's title really means, sit back and enjoy the podcast. Right, okay, so this week it's myself and Lauren. Hello. And, oh, hello. Um, and this week I'm going to do a Q&A um, with you, Lauren. Fantastic. So I've got a few Exciting. questions ready. I know, I know. Um, I've got a few questions ready so we can find a little bit more about you. Um, so, first question, are you ready? I am. <laughs> I am absolutely ready. I'm ready for everyone to know a little bit more about me. So let's just start with, um, if you just want to give us a bit of an insight about you, your background, how you got into sport, um, and what kind of led you on this pathway that you're on now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, gosh, where do I start? So, I mean, I've always really enjoyed sport, um, and ever since, you know, a, a younger age, um, I've tried um, or um, participated in lots of different types of sports, and I've always enjoyed both the literally the the physical activity of it but I've also really enjoyed the social element the teamwork element to lots of it as well so you know since I was young I've tried all all sorts of sports so swimming probably being the the primary one from the age of oh gosh I think about sort of seven to 14 it was that age where you know um your social life started to get a bit cooler so I really regret stopping swimming at about 14 um and uh, that was really thanks to my stepdad um, he he sort of really encouraged me to, to get into that and um, just as a slight side note honestly I can't recommend enough uh, the benefit of swimming at a younger age and the um, uh, the sort of advantage that gives you later on uh, but I also played um, netball um, for quite a long time um, and uh, you know encouraged my mum to let me also try I think did some tap dancing at one point, some street dancing. Um, I also did some rock climbing. Um, I did judo for a little while really badly. <laughs> and that really showed lots of my personality because lots of the fights just ended up in, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So that that didn't really suit my personality type very well. Um, Tom's taking me skiing a few times. So I've tried lots and lots of different sports. Um, really enjoyed them all. Um, but then later on, again, it was my stepdad that, uh, he, you know, when um, I actually got together with Tom, um, it was actually Tom that really paid attention to his background, which was he'd competed in a few of these Ironman events that back then we didn't really know much about them, didn't know what they were, because um, this would have been back in 2000 and seven um when you know we first started asking my stepdad all these questions about about these Ironman triathlons that he's done previously um and long story short you know we asked lots of questions found out more about it and Tom had decided that he'd quite like to do one one day with my stepdad when he uh, retired from hockey um so Tom and I then decided on our honeymoon in 2012 um to go to Club La Santa um, and go and sort of start experimenting really with with some triathlon training um, and we really enjoyed it and we loved it 
uh, and that kind of set us off on, on that path really um, obviously there's quite a lot more detail to that story but uh, I'm sure it'll come up in later questions I won't uh, <laughs> jump forward too too much too soon but I've, I've always had a background in um, in enjoying participating in lots of sports uh, from on a personal level and what were you doing for work before you started being a coach uh, or leading leading the coaching at Passion Fit what was your yeah. sort of background from that side of things so that's actually always been again linked um, I know for both you and Tom you have quite different backgrounds to, to what we currently do now mine probably follows suit a little bit more naturally um, so I've always worked in fitness ever since I was 16 um, so when I was 16 years old um, I remember going and speaking to the fitness manager at my local gym and saying look I would really like to be a personal trainer um, I love working with people I love fitness um, and that kind of combines my two passions what do I need to do I was like and I said do I need to go to university and if I do what 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 do I need to study what would you recommend um, or can I go and do a separate qualification? And, and she was really, really helpful. And she said to me, look, yeah, absolutely. You can go and do a degree if you want to. Um, or, but should even if you go and do a degree, you still need to go and do a specific qualification. She said, so in my, in my experience, just go straight and do that and learn on the job. You'll probably learn more in this particular um, industry. So, um, so at the age of 16, I got a job in that gym as a lifeguard. Um, then I found that there probably wasn't enough social interaction for me as a lifeguard. Um, there was lots of sitting and trying desperately to stay awake. Uh, it was quite a shallow pool, so not a lot of incidents, which was obviously a good thing. Obviously meant I was doing my job well. Um, so I transferred on to reception where I could chat to people lots more and uh, I loved that. And while I was doing those jobs, um, saved up enough money to go on to my personal training course. Um, so worked. Uh, also did um, a, a kind of intense course Monday to Friday um, in Bristol and worked uh, open till close on a Saturday and then another eight hour shift on a Sunday to be able to sort of fund um, my ability to, to do that course. Um, then they, I uh, then became a personal trainer and then spent the next sort of 12 years really being a personal trainer, fitness instructor, group exercise instructor, um, and then ultimately into sort of fitness and, and gym management as well across um, several different like commercial fitness chains um, and loved it. So uh, so I've always worked with a, a, very, a huge variety of different people, different goals, um, and yeah, and, I, and I've loved that. So yeah, my background is much closer linked to, to what we do now definitely a lot more relevant than my um, background in water it is a little bit isn't it i'm sure there must be some crossover somewhere but uh, we'll try and find it we'll try and find it soon but yes yeah, so that's my background so tell us about your first ever triathlon experience uh -huh. so yes i can hear the giggle in your voice because you know this story already uh so this goes back to tom and i's um uh, honeymoon so this was in 2012 when we decided to go to Club La Santa for our honeymoon and that was sorry no it was 2011 that we went to Club La Santa for our honeymoon because in 2012 Tom had decided he wanted to do his first ever Ironman so we partly went to Club La Santa as preparation because the Ironman he decided to do was Lanzarote um and whilst we were there, we thought, right, well, let's take opportunity of being here with all these wonderful facilities um, and all these events going on. And uh, we thought, right, let's give our first ever triathlon a go. So we both did. 
so we participated in one of the sort of sprint triathlons they do there and um well it was an interesting experience to say the least so from i'd never ridden a road bike before ever um, i had done some mountain biking a, a little bit um so i was wobbling all over the place i was so confused how narrow the handlebars were um so i had to give it a little test ride before i went out on the course so i borrowed one of the the road bikes from club la santa um and i thought right my goal is just gonna have to be not to fall off um we so both Tom and I did the swim when we came out I think we like dried our feet you know talcum powdered our feet put our socks on shoes on gloves on you know almost like a full kit change for the sprint triathlon it was so out of practice you know no idea what we were doing um and then I think I wore my swimming costume for the whole race which was quite uncomfortable on the bike uh, and then when it came to the run um, I mean, I was exhausted by this point. I think lots of the nervous energy on the bike, just trying not to fall off. Um, and I actually genuinely came dead last. And that includes being beaten by the eight-year-old boy that was also joining in, um, who was very good, I might add. He did he did a wonderful job. Um, so I would say that it would have been really easy to have been put off by that experience. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was great fun. Um, massive learning experience and I guess where there were so many things that are you could argue didn't go well in terms of um they're purely just being so much opportunity to go even better and go smoother and learn so um I could have quite easily been put off by that but but I wasn't I thought wow there's a lot of opportunity to get a lot better here um so uh yeah I enjoyed it and that was probably the biggest thing that I needed to remember that it didn't matter that I came last someone had to um I enjoyed it and uh, there was certainly a uh, yeah like I say an opportunity to get even better so that was my first ever experience of a triathlon <laughs> what a way to start off your triathlon Absolutely. career Absolutely. <laughs> you've got you've gone on to do loads of different races since I mean, yeah we've seen you dabble in a lot of mountain bike races yeah couple of 70.3 world championships yeah. in Nice and Utah last yeah. year which has been pretty cool but of all the races you've done, tell us about your favourite race experience to date. Oh, there's probably two, actually, that I'm really torn between. So one of them is uh, Lanzarote 70.3 in... Oh, it must have been 2000... That was 2019. That 18? Was it? I, think, I think it was 18. Was it? I think it was 2018 because... Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was I, after Weymouth, wasn't it? It was after Wales, I think. Oh my god, I can't remember. They all merged into. They all merged together. Did I my Wales? I did you not know that? <laughs> um, I think it was two thousand and eighteen. It was still at Club La Santa before it moved to um, Playa Blanca. Um, but the biggest reason I really enjoyed that one um, was because, of course, I, I went back to the same venue. So this would have been six years, six seven years later. Um, at the same venue I participated in that first ever triathlon that sprint triathlon where like I say I came last um, so sort of six seven years later went back to Club de Santa did the 70.3 there um, and you know had 
over that period of time trained really hard, learnt lots, um, got some things right, got some things wrong, um, but learnt from them all in that time, built um, a bit of a community together as well. So I had lots of people to train with and learn from. Um, and then two things really, one, it was just wonderful to go back there and share it with lots of the athletes that we we had spent so much time training with. Um, but also it was a bit of a representation for me of the journey that I'd been on. So at that event, um, I was in the 25 to 29 age group at the time and I won my age group which is where the Nice mm. qualification came from um, but it so it was really for me a bit of a you know if I'd given up after that very first race having come last that would have never happened you know I'd have never gone on to then go back there six seven years later and then and, and, and win my age group which um you know, don't get me wrong, there were still lots of things that I could have done better and, but it, it was more around the, for me, the, the biggest learning was actually if I'd given up um, because of how that first went, that first race went, um, you know, I never would have experienced this day. Um, so that was really cool. I really loved that one. Um, and the second was the Utah 70.3 World Champs. Um, again, biggest reason was because we had 11 of our athletes there. Um, I think it was five men and six women. I think so, yeah. We actually had more women than men, which was really nice. We did indeed. Um, and again, it was a, a bit of a representation of one of the goals going to that race was let's go as a community. Let's let's go together. We spend so much time training together um, and let's share this journey. And we managed to you know, work with our athletes to, to qualify so many of them to be there with us, that it was just the feeling on the day of sharing the course with people that have been such a big part of your journey. Um, and, you know, not just them for me, but obviously, you know, hopefully me for them as well. Um, you know, that was quite a, a unique experience and something that from a memory point of view, you know, I... I, I can't remember what splits I did on the day, what time I did on the day, but what really stands out to me and something that I'll always remember is the experience on the day, is seeing the other girls out on the course, waving to them, um, you know, and then the next day being on the sidelines to support the men as well, um, seeing them all smiling, seeing them all achieve things that many of them thought they'd never be able to, perhaps when they first started their journey, so that was a really cool experience as well so they're probably the two races that that stand out most for me thing is and like you said i love that bit around um going back to club yes. 70.3 um because like you said if you'd have kind of become really despondent and yeah. demotivated after that first ever experience like you wouldn't have gone on to then have that that experience but also the 70.3 worlds at nice as yes. well yes. and that was cool so we had again probably what, about 11 or 12 athletes yeah we had quite a few there yeah and then yeah. that motivation to then do that again to then continue to go and do utah it's like flipping awesome isn't it of really like, cool just keep on chipping away and just seeing where it goes and like i think for me because i loved utah as well last year like because we had so many athletes going and bearing in mind we've only got I mean between sort of 25 and 30 athletes yeah. so nearly like 50% of our athletes had all qualified yeah. for 70.3 mm-hmm. worlds and I bet if you'd have asked every single one of them would they have ever imagined that they'd be on the start line of 70.3 worlds exactly they'd have never ever thought that's the case and myself yeah. included and yeah. probably you as well yeah so it's just like yeah it's icing on the cake stuff isn't it I'm going to share those it really experiences. is it really is and I think that's what people forget and you know 
um, it, it's something you know. I know we've had the seventy point three, the twenty twenty three seventy point three world champs on this weekend, and quite a lot of the athletes I spoke to before heading out there, you know, athletes I've worked with in the endless pool, or um, you know, we we've helped in any way, shape, or form leading into it. You know, one of the biggest things I've reminded them all is just go out and really enjoy it, make some really special memories. Um, you know, and of course I understand that you want to go and represent yourself well on the day in terms of your training. You want to execute the race to the best of your ability, of course. But when you look back in five years, probably less, one year to be honest with you, it won't be the time that you did that will be the biggest thing you remember. It will be the experiences that you had out there, the people you shared it with. I promise you, in five, ten years' time in particular, they'll be the things that you, you look back on. So, And they're certainly the things that I look back on. Totally, totally agree. And so you've been leading Passion Fit for a few years now. You yes. Uh, quite swiftly popped in, chucked Tom out. <laughs> I think the delegated post uh, <laughs> that was actually put up is my hand palming his, on his face. face. Um, <laughs> to take a back step, actually, for those of you that might remember that post. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that one. Um, and so you kind of like, yeah, obviously delegated the, um, the hoovering and the cleaning to Tom. Largely, yeah. Uh, yeah. And of uh, taking the lead as head coach. Yeah. So what is it that you love about being a coach? I think really the biggest thing that I love about being a coach, and, and I actually think that this might surprise some people out there. It, it might not. Um, but I, I think the thing that I love most about coaching is also the thing that a lot of people worry about uh, getting a coach. So um, out of my the, all the athletes that I coach... I couldn't say that to any two are the same in terms of their their goals, their um, their personal circumstances, their experiences, what um, accomplishment um, really means to them. So, what's important to them, their personality types, how they engage with me, how they interact with me, how they communicate with me, how they like to feed back on their sessions with me. You know, all of them are so completely different. And I love that. I love working with the different personality types um, and really helping each one of those individuals work out what... Um, we use the word accomplishment because, um, you know, we, we think that the word success probably uh, links to too many things in life that we're actually trying to help encourage people to steer away from. Um, and I'm sure that that will be delved into much deeper in, in a whole separate podcast. But just to give some context of why I keep using the word accomplishment, um, you know, it, to each one of them, what accomplishment means to them and what it's important to them is so very different and I love working through that process of it's not about trying to create a textbook journey or and um, that their goal should be to try and you know do a race at um, in this time or or hit this certain result or even to do a race at all actually it's about a much bigger journey and um, so I love working with each individual to really work through what that looks like for them um, and that what it does look like for them is totally different to each other and I love that diversity um, but like I say I think it's something that puts people off wanting to get a coach that a coach only wants to work with a certain type of personality um, you know we were having this conversation earlier and I think it's common to think that 
you know, a coach wants to work with an A1 personality type, someone that wants to go to the World Championships and podium, and it's, it's certainly for us anyway, it's not true at all. Um, I just want to work with people that want, that have some nice, clear um, goals. They don't have to be race goals. They can be personal development goals um, and are just really keen to achieve them, work with me to achieve them. And in the meantime, um, really engage and add value to our community as a whole as well so yeah that's what I love most about coaching and here we go on the flip side of that mm-hmm. what's the thing you find the hardest about Ooh. being a coach Ooh. the thing I find the hardest is um actually I thought that question would be harder to answer than it is it's, it's actually not that hard the thing by far I find the hardest is when an athlete is struggling to align their goals and their reality so for us you know an, an athlete's journey um, all comes down to appropriate goal setting right at the very beginning um, and we have a sort of a system in place and a process that will help work with our athletes to go through that usually when that goal setting process right in the early days isn't set appropriately it just leads to a journey of lots of frustration not just for the athlete but for the coach as well so if for an example an athlete says they want to achieve a certain goal but their reality isn't aligned with that and that might be because of what they physically are able to do in terms of time commitment because they've got you know a, a family with with children and and journeys that the, the children might be on that they want to support in terms of taking them to their their cricket matches their rugby matches their their dance lessons whatever it might be um uh, they might be working a full-time job so they're time commitments may be restricted um it may be their um their or or it could be their willingness as well they might not want to commit 20 plus hours to training a week um so the the thing that i find the hardest is when an athlete has a goal that doesn't align with their reality so it's going to likely be a frustrating journey for them unless they can find some alignment in those two things um but then that's largely what our job is is to help them go through that process um but until one of them is aligned either the goal is adjusted or the reality is adjusted it can be a really frustrating journey so it's the thing that we i find the hardest but then when it when we help them overcome it also one of the most fulfilling parts of the job as well and you're constantly, I see you like working relentlessly every day with, with your athletes and how you support them. And also how you've developed as a coach over, over this time as well, since yeah. you, you started. What's the biggest thing you've learnt about being a coach and how you've been able to help others about yourself? Ooh, good question. That was one I kind of snuck in there a little bit That's as well. Right. That's okay. Let's have a think. Because there's probably lots of things, but I'm trying to think of perhaps the biggest thing that I've learned. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that my role is to support and facilitate the athlete's journey rather than do it for them. Obviously I can't do it for them. Um, And my natural personality trait can be to fall into what we call like a a nurturing parent role. you know I can almost feel like I I want to do it for them because I want to help them so badly um but I've realized that actually if I do that too much it, it, it doesn't help the athlete at all actually making sure that athlete has got a level of ownership 
um, and autonomy over their journey is really, really important. Um, and that a lot of that decision-making has to come from them, not me. Um, and so empowering them to feel confident to do that is probably the biggest thing that I've learned is encouraging them to make their own decisions, not to necessarily just want to kind of do what they're told by the coach um, is something that's been been critical. And I know, again, I think that a lot of people's perception of a coach is that, you know, it's very prescriptive, you must stick to this plan, um, when actually the way that we work and the way that I would encourage athletes to work it, it is, is ultimately very different to that. We want the athlete to have lots of input um, and the more input that athlete tends to have, the more um, progression they tend to make um, and the more accomplished they tend to feel as well. So it's to hand over, I suppose, to the athlete a lot more autonomy um, and a lot more responsibility to them. And it also allows them to feel uh, much more fulfilled because they've had a bigger leading role in their journey, not just doing what they're told to do. Um, But I have to make sure I don't fall into that because... (laughs) I, I want them to do well and I don't want them to to make mistakes um but yeah that's probably the biggest thing I've learned amazing it's not easy is it no it's not <laughs> okay and this is another question this is the penultimate one mm-hmm. so what is your ultimate vision for passion fit mm-hmm. and how are you working towards that so um this is quite a uh I suppose an altruistic one and one that uh, I don't yet know exactly how that will ultimately look but what I visualise and what I see is having a community of people um, of athletes of all different backgrounds different goals different experience levels different walks of life but each one of them bringing value to each other in different ways so whether that be sharing their experiences whether that be them supporting each other um that all of that diversity adds huge amounts of value to all of them um so and being able to help each one of those individuals add more value to their journey so by being part of the passion fit community um it adds huge amounts of value to their journey so um but for me that is also i want to be able to help as many people as possible but i also never want to lose that personability to every single person that we have in the community as well and that's something that's really important to me so it's how i get that balance of the more people that i can help obviously the better i'd love to be able to help more and more and more people and add value to more and more people's journey but I also recognise that the bigger the community becomes, the more likely I could lose that personability with each individual in it. And that's something that's a huge goal for me personally, is that's something I never want to lose. I want to be able to tell you all about every single individual in our community. Um, you know, where they're at in their journey, what their goals are, what they what they enjoy doing, what they don't enjoy doing, what their next race might be. You know, I want to be able to keep that closeness to every individual. Um, so for me, I suppose that's more of a personal one than necessarily like a, a community one, is I want to help the largest number of people I possibly can 
without losing that personability. That's kind of my goal. And for the community as a whole, for each of those individuals, by being part of the community, it helps them to realise what their own personal level of accomplishment looks like. And that that's okay to not look like the stereotypical, um, you know, perform to X level race and hit this time um, that actually they can think outside the box and that those goals and that level of accomplishment can come from many other ways so it's to help people kind of open their mind and see things a little bit differently awesome awesome okay and the last question which might be the hardest one to answer (laughs) potentially what's your favorite snack for training sessions that is that is a really tough one for training sessions in particular we'll go for training sessions then we'll go for just just general general. okay oh depends what mood i'm in as well (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've got to say to be honest with you anything chocolate based is probably (laughs) just gonna have to go on the list i mean the list is is endless dark chocolate probably um but you know that's if i want something sweet if i want something savory pizza is always a it's not really a snack it's a main meal isn't it i suppose it could be a snack um but i would say pizza and chocolates are not overly healthy either things are they but uh they're probably my two favorite foods and shamelessly could probably eat i have in fact we actually went for for a meal didn't we there was um five five of us girls think we went for a meal recently and i had a conversation with one of the other ladies there and very shamelessly i thought do you know what i I don't think this is normal that I could eat my dessert and I could probably also eat yours and yours and I kind of have no off switch I could just keep going so I do have a big sweet tooth so anything chocolate if it's sweet savoury probably pizza sounds like a winner (laughs) but I'm not that fussy when it comes to snacks so anything really any baked goods will do (laughs) yeah so there you go That, that also gives you a bit of insight into me yeah that is a top snacky snack tip of the day yes Yes. right that's all the questions i've got fantastic thank you very much lids and um you know i hope to everyone listening it's just giving you a little bit of insight into me personally as well and uh you know i think something that's really important is if you do decide to work with a coach that you know there's real open and honesty and and having um, a connection and building rapport with the individual um is essential both ways around so Hopefully, um, to some of you out there, some of what I've talked about resonates. Um, And yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And that is the end of the podcast. We really hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you've got any ideas or thoughts on future topics you'd like us to cover, then please do get in touch. And as always, please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast. Thank you.